Hello there, friends. I'm Richard Kisman. We all knew it was coming. Adulthood, relationships and marriage, business, health, money, bills, fitness. If you're like me, we didn't think that life would come at us like this. I welcome you to join me for raw, authentic, and hopefully really fun conversations about coming into your own as an adult and to help you create a powerful life of your design. This is the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. Hey there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kisten. Hope you're doing well. Hopefully you're doing better than my dog. He's acting really weird right now, uh, but it's all good. Uh, I've got a special one for you today. We're on here with Bridget Zeitlin. Bridget is a friend, a colleague, and she's also a registered dietitian here in New York uh, in private practice, has a ton of, uh, like, I guess, contributions or attributions to her in terms of uh, guest posts and blog articles, lots of good information from her. So Bridget, welcome to the Adulthood Revisit Podcast. Hey, Richard. I'm so happy to be here. And hello, Adulthood Revisited fam. <laughs> there it is. She's already, she's already opening every, with welcoming arms. Um, all right. So let's just, let's dive right into it. Uh, I want to give you space to maybe share a little about who you are, where you're from, and maybe how you got to where you find yourself today. Absolutely. So like you said, I'm based in New York. I'm currently in the West Village of Manhattan. Um, I originally grew up on Long Island. So if you haven't heard it yet in my voice, you will at some point. The Long Island will come out. I'll highlight it when I edit this. <laughs> So, right, so I grew up on Long Island, um, and then I went to Lehigh University, which was the first time I ever left my home, really, which was super eye-opening and exciting to be in college, and from there, I moved into Manhattan. I originally started off my life, my work life, in fashion PR and event planning, and I did that for four years here in Manhattan. It was awesome right? You are, I was in my early twenties planning parties, going to events, very into, I've always been very interested in fashion and style. So it was a great like creative outlet for me. But while I was in that, I started to get more and more interested in nutrition and cooking and food and realized, um, that I think food and nutrition were much more of a passion than just a hobby. So I went back to school and became a registered dietitian. I got my master's in public health nutrition at Hunter College here. Again, New York, <laughs> lots of New York in, in my life here at Hunter College. Um, and started working at Mount Sinai Medical Center, which was an incredible, amazing experience to see a wide range of different people and different ways that nutrition has affected their lives and different ways that nutrition can help heal their medical conditions yeah. and help heal their lives. And then three years ago, almost three and a half, three and a half years ago, I opened BZ Nutrition, my own private practice here, where I work one-on-one -on -one with people to reach their health goals. And it has been the most incredible dream come true. When I went back to school for nutrition originally, I always wanted my own practice. That's always where I saw myself. I didn't quite know how I was going to get there or what that was going to look like once I got there, but I knew that's where I wanted to be. And 
here I am in front of you today. All right. Oh, there was a lot packed in this. Let's start, let's start delaying this. Peel it out. Tease, um, that, tease that out. So I want to go back to college. I, like, I think back, like college and myself, what drove you to, fa- like, in retrospect, what, what were you doing? What were you thinking coming out of college that, that you landed in fashion PR? Well, I will say, I'm going to go back just two years before that. Once I was, like, when I was first going into college, I wanted to be a doctor. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. My father is a surgeon and I just was always kind of drawn to, to that. So I thought I'd want to be a doctor. My dad at the time strongly discouraged it just because he saw how healthcare was changing from when he first went, went to med school. So I went into college kind of really open, like maybe I'm not going to be a doctor. What else is going to come my way? What classes am I going to take that are really going to be interesting to me and maybe give me a different, a different path. I love writing. So I became an English major and did a lot uh, at a journalism minor. And I did a lot of of writing and hoped to explore different paths through that. Um, And what I realized is that I want to do something I love. That was really something that spoke to me. That was going to be one thing that I thought my my work life really needed to keep me invested and to be the work the work life I wanted. Right. So I loved fashion. I was always reading fashion magazines. Um, a couple of summers, I interned at some magazines in the accessories department. So it just fashion was just kind of always always there for me. I I didn't see it as a career until I graduated and was like eek. Now what? And I had a good friend who was working at Todd's. It's an accessory company, a luxury accessory brand. She offered me a very entry-level position. And I said, great. The more entry-level, the better. Let's start super at the bottom. Let's work our way up. So I started there and, and I did. I, I loved it until I didn't. Yeah. So I want to talk about that because that that tension or struggle, whatever you want to call it, what, what were you experiencing? Because sometimes it's often the case. I know myself as well. Like there's, there's that, especially when you have a new job, new endeavor, like it's exciting for a while. And especially, I don't know, maybe you're making, I don't know what kind of money, kind of lifestyle, lots of things. Nothing. You're making nothing. Entry level fashion, zero. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There were some perks, right? There had to be some perks. Right. Uh, whatever it is, maybe like the, the, the environment, the people you're working with, uh, but something then changed, right? You maybe realize about yourself, like how long, what was that conversation like for you when you realized like, this is nice or, uh, you know, but it's not for me. That's a really great question. Um, no. So the perks in fashion were, um, going to fun events and getting free clothes, handbags, you know, when you work for a fashion brand, what they quote, pay you in goods that they, that they sell. Yeah. So that was always something that I thought was exciting. My closet still appreciates me for it. But I think what happened for me was, so I had transitioned from, to more of a special events role from just PR, just press. And now in this special events role, I was putting together parties. I was out until 2 a.m. a lot of weeknights, 
which meant once my weekend rolled around, all I wanted to do was stay home. I wanted to sleep. I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go out and about with my friends. Um, and I thought, this isn't the balance that I want. This was like realizing this a couple of months this way made me realize that not so much that it wasn't a healthy lifestyle, but it wasn't a mentally healthy lifestyle. I was out working and then home, not really seeing my friends because being out was the last thing I wanted to do anymore. And I was like, this isn't, I can't sustain this. I don't want to sustain this. I want to look forward to my Saturday nights with my girlfriends. And, and so I had like a little bit of a gut check. What else do I want to do? I still always cared, like healthcare was always still part of me, you know, connecting, working with people directly in some type of one-on-one -on -one situation was part of, of my, the fabric of my life. And I thought, I love writing. I love nutrition. I'm not sure I'll ever get, I'll be able to make enough money as a writer. I think I can make enough money to support myself in nutrition. So let's do that. Huh. Um, and then like what's when, when you finally made that, that leap, you had to go back to school, right? Um, yes. For a bit. And then what was life like when you came out on the other side of that? You literally went in as in fashion PR, whatever it is. And then you're out. All right, world, I'm a dietitian. What was yeah. that like for you? I, so I went back to school at 26. I came out of school ready to work as a dietitian at 30. And I think I, I was starting all over. I was building a career all over. I was starting again at the bottom entry level, super, you know, lowest man on the totem pole. And for me, what was super hard is that at 30, all of my friends were really, their careers were really kicking off. They were making money that they can now travel and do all the other things that like we weren't doing in our 20s while we were saving and trying to get to our 30s. And, and so I was, I was struggling to kind of balance the fact that I am career wise, I'm right back where I was at 22, yeah. even though I'm, even though I'm 30 in this career is, is far more me and I am grateful and excited to do it. I was starting all over and that struggle was, was, was tough. It was a tough mental shift. Moving, moving along that timeline then. So you worked, you started off with Mount Sinai immediately or? Yes. Okay. I started off at Mount Sinai. I was the GI dietitian. So at Mount Sinai, every dietitian covers the whole hospital, but we're all assigned one specific unit. So my unit was gastrointestinal disorders, gastrointestinal health. So a lot of, um, a lot of constipation talk in my life, a lot of diarrhea talk in my life. I got a lot of love for that. Curls. Yeah, same, same, Richard. <laughs> love me some poop talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to refocus. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, how? What was at any point there where you where you just started anew? Were you wondering like, is this worth it? Like, did I make the right choice? Never once, huh. never once at every, every turn, I loved what I was doing more and more. I was frustrated in general that I was starting from the bottom yeah. and like restarting all over again. But 
at no point did I ever doubt my decision. Nutrition and healthcare and working with people, trying trying to be healthier, yeah. that is what that's what nourishes me. And I, at no point did I ever second guess my choice to go back to school while I was in school, while I was studying for tests all over again. At no point throughout my entire career have I, since I've been a dietitian, have I ever thought, shit, should you have done this? No, I've always thought, shit, damn right you did this. Now let's talk about the really big leap that not a yeah. lot of people do make. They, they may talk about it. They, they, they may not make, which is going off on your own. Like you, you said that for a long time, or when, when you thought about being a dietitian, you knew like it, it, you'd be on your own at some point. Why, like, what about that is, is part of who you are? Like, why, why does that matter to you so much? Um, I think, I, I think it was the way I, I was raised. My dad, again, is a physician and he has his own private practice. He has had that my whole life. Yeah. Um, I watched him work like his ass off for it and, and be successful with it. And even when he was complaining about it, he still loved it. Right. And so I, and I think that there was something about me that wanted, wanted to care for people, but wanted to, wanted to set the terms in which I care for them. So there will be, you know, in, in New York, there are thousands of nutritionists. You can see any private practice nutritionist that you want. But what sets us, all, sets us all apart is our own nutrition philosophy, our own brand, how we, how we communicate what our philosophy is. And I thought, I, wanna, I don't want to be pushing someone else's nutrition brand. I don't want to be, what if that doesn't jive with my own beliefs in, in, about food and nutrients and how that should work into somebody's life. I very much wanted to set the pace and, and set the talking points so, and I think I also have a really great knack at listening and hearing what my clients are asking for and kind of, and, and what they want and connecting the dots that they're not connecting on their own, that's blocking them from reaching their health goals. So I just, I just knew I had to do it on my own terms and being my own boss was the only way to do that. So could I assume that when, when you made the leap to go on your own, like, you were ready for it. It was just, you were waiting for maybe, I don't know what triggering event, but. Uh, I, I should have done it six months earlier, right? But I didn't want to give up a paycheck. To me, here I am, quote unquote, starting from the beginning all over again. So this would now be the third time I gave up a paycheck, right? I gave it up for fashion and then I would be giving it up. Uh, so, yeah, and then I would be giving it up to, to the second time and then I would be giving it up to start my own business. And I was like, Oh, can I do that again? What does saving look like now? How do I, how do I start my own business? What come, what's the first step? It just, there were a lot of pieces I, I wanted to have in order. And I'm super, I'm super type A. So I probably had everything in order for longer than I really, like I waited longer than I, than I should have, but Ultimately, I was, I was just, I was just ready. I, I didn't think there was anything more I could learn in terms of my counseling skills, in terms of, of 
what I would want my brand to be. There's always new research to learn and new nutrition knowledge to obtain, but what my own brand would be, I, I knew it. I was ready for it. Well, you're still here to this day. So something, something's working. Yes! Something, something's working. Something is working three and a half years later. Now, just to set the table a little more practically for anyone who might be listening, uh, what's it like to work with you, a dietitian? I, like, honestly, I've never, I've never worked with a dietitian. So what does that actually, that experience look like? Yeah, I would say, so again, everyone's going to be a little bit different. I, I'm a big believer that no one diet fits all. So if you're coming to me for weight loss, you're coming to me for fertility nutrition, you're coming to me to manage your Crohn's or colitis, even, even if you're coming to me for the same exact things, you yourself are different. Your life is different. Your job is different. So no two diets are going to be exactly the same. No two plans are going to be exactly the same. But I would say that basically the way I run my practice is it's kind of a little bit like food therapy, right? Probably more people are used to going to a therapist's office than they are a nutritionist's office. So you come in, we talk about what's going on. We talk about your health goals. We talk about probably things that are triggering um, either symptoms or your behaviors. So symptoms would be the diarrhea, the constipation behaviors would be late night eating after dinner or, you know, so we talk about whatever is getting in the way of you feeling your best. And I, I then create a plan to a food plan, but it's not where we like figure out what you should be eating for, for either to cure your symptoms or to reach your boost your energy, reach your weight loss goals, help with your fertility that. And we also troubleshoot and, and discuss your behaviors around food, around your relationship with food and how that is affecting, affecting your symptoms and your food choices. Because I, I believe that everything's all, all related. So even if you have Crohn's, it's really closely related to your stress. Stress isn't necessarily food related, but the more stressed you are, maybe different eating, maybe you're making different eating choices. And so it all, it all ends up being connected. That, that leads me perfectly into what I want to ask next, which is like what, when you're meeting with clients, like I think, and you, you kind of alluded to this, that there's, there's a connection, mental, physical, and everything in between. Are there, are there like common obstacles or sort of minds, mindset shifts that your clients have to make before like making nutrition work? Absolutely. So again, kind of like when you're seeing a therapist, you have to make the deci decision that something's off. You need help. You're going, you want some tweaks. You need to discuss some things like you're ready to make some sort of change. You need to be in that same place. When you come see me, you need to be, be ready to make some sort of change because if what you were doing was working, you wouldn't need me. You have to coach. What you're doing is working. Yes. I have to coach people. Yes. I have to coach people through that. I, I, that's what I consider the therapy part of it. The food therapy part of it, because it, there's a lot of, it's a lot of behavior change. It's a lot of counseling. That's a lot of coaching, whichever, whatever word, whatever C word you want to use counseling, coaching, but yeah, there's a lot of accountability. There's a lot of motivation. There's a lot of encouragement. There's a lot of calling them out on some stuff. And, um, 
but it, it's collaborative. We're working together. You know, they also have to connect some of the dots. I can, I, I do the best that I can to get them there and make, make that picture super clear, but they're the ones, they're the ones doing it, you know, out in the field. I like to say I'm the, I'm the coach and you are the quarterback, right? So you're on, I'm drawing up the plays. You're the one on the field putting that football in the end zone. So it's a, it's a team effort. We're on the same team, but we have to, we have to work together, but I'm the one who is making you show up to practice. I'm the one who's making you learn those, that playbook. I'm not slapping you on the butt, but I'm doing everything else. (laughs) Along those same lines, like you, I can imagine like really let's call them successes, right? When, when clients stick and they, they, they realize goals and whatnot. But what, let me ask, what constitutes, I don't want to say failure, but what constitutes failure or like a, what makes a bad day for, for you with work? Bad day. Honestly, I've never had a bad day for, with work. I've had bad days of work when I worked in the hospital and patients that I knew and got close with were, um, there are other medical conditions were going on and they were in different shape, you know, the next day, those were, those could be bad days. Um, in my own practice, I've, I've never had a bad day. I, I think, you know, I know I, regardless of what my client comes to me for, I am not preaching perfection. I, I want progress right? They want, I want you to make progress towards your goal. And I believe that there is no, when it comes to food, there is no quote bad food or quote good food. I don't think food has moral codes, right? The cupcake did not cheat on me. No moral code, right? It's not a bad food. It's just the food. So if my client comes to me and they, let's a weight loss client comes to me and they did not lose weight that week. Okay. That's fine you'll lose weight the next week. Did you enjoy the food that you ate? Did you have other wins that we're looking for? Great. That, that matters to me too. Did you get enough hours of sleep each night? Wonderful. Did you hit your water goal for the, the day? Fantastic. Did you try a new exercise? There are, other, there are always wins. And, and I think that a lot of people, when, when weight loss is your goal, a lot of people are focused on what the scale says. The scale is a tiny part, a tiny part of, of a healthy journey, of a weight loss journey. Does what that is, answer your question? I'm not sure. About I mean, if it, it answers my question, <laughs> it answers your question. I mean, I just- I mean, yeah, no, I haven't. I will also say that even when I have, even when I have tougher clients, even when the day has been a little bit tougher, we've kicked up some you know, there's some eating pattern that's from their childhood, like they, maybe their mother or their father had an eating disorder and they're not even aware that some of their habits are disordered because they were watching their parents do it for so many years. Even when they're a little bit more resistant, I still have, I still have a great day. I still love working one-on-one with people. I still feel honored and privileged that they chose to do the work with me and that they're letting me in. And some of these conversations aren't easy. Um, I've also like most people, especially most women have had body image issues, have dealt with different weights throughout their life. So I can relate to them. And I, 
And I love that they let me relate to them. So no, no bad days. Do you feel, and I'm going to ask this question because I've experienced it in, in my work. Not, so not that I don't feel I'm qualified to do the work, but quali- like when, when a potential client or a client presents and they're just, they have other things going on. Like you said, someone may have issues with nutrition or family issues that go way back. Do you ever feel not qualified to handle certain components of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am not a therapist. I'm not a licensed psychologist. I have no PhD in therapy. I refer out. If some if we come up to if we if we come across something that I think is out of my scope, I'm the I'm so quick and eager to refer a client to a therapist. And I work closely with a lot of therapists because I think that the way we feel reflects how we eat very much so. And they're, they're linked, you know, your mental health, your physical health, they go hand in hand. I, I, I personally, I think everyone should be in therapy regardless of whether you're my client or not, but I am. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things out of my scope. There's so many things out of my scope. I work with disordered eating, but if you have a, if, if you have a, dis, an eating disorder, no, you should be in a therapist's office, not my office. Would you say there's a, and I'm, let's, I'm going to limit this to like the United States, yeah. um, the, that there's a problem with the conversation around nutrition. And I guess what I mean is like, I, I, w- I grew up on the, the, the food pyramid, right? And yeah. like this, is what you should be eating 2000 calories a day and maybe, or maybe not, that's the right approach. Right. Um, like, do you think that that conversation or that way of thinking about food and nutrition is misleading, flawed, or the alternative, like how can we improve people's relationships to nutrition in the, like moving forward? Okay. So I think that, yes, in the U S I think our relationship with nutrition is pretty effed up. And I think that's because of the media, right? There's a lot of different media. Um, they're highlighting random different stories, random different nutrients. It seems really confusing, like a lot of white noise. Nobody really knows what to do. Um, which you don't have in other countries, right? Like the Mediterranean diet is a universally considered healthy diet. So that would be like Italy, Greece, they don't have the issues we have. They don't have the media talking about food and nutrition the way we do. So I think, I think that is a big problem in the US. I think um, food claims are also a, a pretty shitty problem that we deal with here. Sorry, I hope your audience is cool with cursing, right? I'll mark it as, as a, as a <laughs> it's okay. Um, we have to put a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because food brands label things as like fat free or sugar free or this free that it, it, it kind of screws up. It makes us think about food in terms of specific nutrients like fat or sugar versus the whole food itself. I think, I think the way to have a, I think the way to create healthy, good relationships with food, it, it starts in your home. And you don't really need, it shouldn't really highlight one, shouldn't really highlight anything. It should be the family, whatever that family looks like, 
sitting down and having dinners together each night or every other night or on the weekends, like eating different foods, getting your kids involved in cooking and being a part of food preparation, not saying don't eat this, don't eat that. Or, and the child not hearing their parents say, I'm not eating this. I'm not eating that. You know, kind of just, I mean, I, I grew up having, my dad was always cooking. My mom was not really a big cook, but my dad cooked a lot. The four of us would have dinner together every um, Friday and Sunday night. My dad worked late hours. So my brother and I would eat earlier and then my parents would eat later during the week. But it was, we were always kind of like around the kitchen table together. My mom, I'm sure was dieting throughout my life. I never saw any of it. I never heard any of it. I never saw any of it. She made all of us eat whatever she wanted to eat. So if we were all eating, like we were all eating vegetables, okay. I, it, it, none of it was, it, I didn't see it. So it's just kind of like, it wasn't a thing. It was just pervasive. Like it's the way of life is what. Exactly. Yes. That's a better, right. It was just, it was just there. Yeah. We ate, right. We ate um, avocado, we ate olives, we ate olive oil. So we ate the quote fats, but I didn't know they were fats. I had no idea yeah. there was, we would have dessert, but it wasn't a, we, it wasn't quote a treat. It just, it, tonight we're going to have dessert. Okay, cool. Great. Pass me another donut, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't considered desserts weren't considered a reward for yeah. something. It wasn't considered being naughty in some way. It just, it, it was just part of, of our life. And I think that that was really healthy for me to grow up in. And yeah. Um, let's have a little fun right now. How about that? Yeah, let's, let's do it. A quick lightning, lightning strike, lightning round. Uh, let's go with I, one favorite type of cookie. Chocolate chip. Is there a particular chocolate chip cookie, like a, a place oh. you or? I, I do enjoy Levan cookies here in New York, but I'll be honest, any good chocolate chip cookie will do it for me. I don't, I don't really discriminate when it comes to chocolate chip cookies. Do you prefer them crispy or like, you know how some places. Uh, well, the ultimate, the ultimate chocolate chip cookie is crispy on the outside and a little bit soft and gooey in the middle. Fascinating. That's I got I got I'll, I'll bring you chips sometime. I live next to a chip. Yeah. And they're like, very interesting. Um, wine. Yes or no? Yes. Hell Yes. Is there a particular kind of wine? Like, what's your palate like? So I, my personal preference is red or, or rosé. I don't drink white wine. In turn, if you're talking about health, they're all fine. They're all the same. <laughs> wine is fine. <laughs> wine is wine, whichever you like. Uh, are you a cat dog per cat person, dog person, or pets have no place in, in my life? I am a dog person. Actually, when the pandemic hit, I applied to be a foster. I'm still waiting. Three months in, I'm still waiting to get my foster dog. I think everyone in New York City applied to foster dogs. That's good news for the pets. Uh, good news for those Amazing dogs. Amazing news. Um, what's your, I, I, I think I saw that you enjoy running or like what are, what are the physical activities that you spend time doing? Top three that you, you enjoy. Top three, yoga, running, spinning. 
And right now, during coronavirus, you are relegated to... (laughs) (laughs) During coronavirus, I am taking myself on a lot of walks. I'm not running just because I it's uncomfortable for me to run in a mask. It feels too suffocating and I won't be outside without a mask. So I'm doing a lot of walks and then I'm doing in apartment yoga. And final question, final lightning round. Um, How do you, how do you pronounce the word almond? I say almonds. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, folks. Long Island at its best. (laughs) How do you say it? Almond. 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 There's an L there. Almond. Uh, 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 almond. <laughs> uh, almond. Am I not saying an L? Uh, I, I, it's. It, it, I got it. Well, yeah, L. but almond. But you, there is, there is a K in knee, and you don't say knee. Oh, all right, so you're gonna go down that road, okay? <laughs> Bridget, this this has been a lot of fun. I, I'm sure that anyone listening, first of all, learns a lot more about like being like your world of, of your professional world, what's a dietitian, what it constitutes um, and, and sort of what you bring to the table and what you can expect when and if, if and when you're working with uh, someone, a dietitian or so. In, in wrapping, you know, coming to a close, what, what words do you have for people that either generally, spe- specifically that maybe you want to share with whoever, younger folk, potential clients or just people generally like what what's your parting advice my parting advice is people should eat what feels good and when it comes to the latest fad diet out there or whatever your roommate's doing or best friend is doing if it sounds like cruel and unusual punishment it is right so giving up this food or that food if that sounds like something that isn't going to work for you long term don't do it don't do it you do you very cool. Well, Bridget Zeitlin, I appreciate it. Um, how, if Thank anybody wants- Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun, Richard. No, it was um, my, we should have done this earlier. It was my fault. I'm, I'm, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here now. Boom. Love it. Uh, if people do want to connect with you, what are the best way, what's the best way they can reach out to you? And I'll link, the, link that up in the show notes. Awesome. So you can um, follow me on Instagram and you can always DM me there at Nutrition. You can head to my website, bznutritionny.com. You can shoot me an email there and check out my blog. I have a couple of cool stories for you guys to read there. Awesome, folks. Bridget Zeitlin, everyone, registered dietitian extraordinaire in New York. You can also find a lot of her articles in lots of popular publications um, and also visit her website, bznutritionny.com, right? I think I got that right. That's it. All right. Bridget Zeitlin, everybody. Thank you so much, Bridget, for spending Thank your time. Thank you, Richard. Um, and AR Nation, take care. Be well. Bye for now.